0: This is Making Stitches. This week we hear from Anise Smallwood, a weaver sharing age-old skills with a new generation. I
1: think weaving has been um, kind of the fabric, I guess, of of history for so many years Um, and so it's not it's not left us but obviously it has diminished in recent years um but yeah it's nice that i get to have the opportunity um to teach um weaving as well as a few other textile processes but mainly weaving in lots of different locations yeah and share that with people um, in different ways so that they can engage with that for themselves
0: Hello and welcome to Making Stitches, a podcast celebrating crafts and the stories of the makers behind them. My name's Lindsay and this week I'm sharing a chat I had with a designer, maker and educator who creates beautiful woven fabric. Annie Smallwood is a weaver based in Yorkshire who works on solo projects as well as collaborations with museums and other organisations, spreading knowledge about the age-old techniques of weaving using looms. Just a few generations ago, looms were a familiar sight in domestic settings, allowing artisans the chance to work from home. Just like the generations of weavers who've gone before her, Anise is currently working from her studio at home, which is where she spoke to me from.
1: I weave by hand um, in my spare bedroom at home, um, which I use as my studio, Um, and I've been doing that now for about um, over a decade, really. Um, But yeah, so as well as weaving and um, from home I would normally also um be out and about and um, collaborating and um, facilitating workshops and um, teaching kind of with and alongside other people and um, on kind of projects or one-off workshops and um, yeah so that's kind of a little brief overview of kind of what my week might look like normally.
0: And how did you get into weaving because it's uh, it's quite a niche craft isn't it?
1: Yeah, there's not so many of us. Um, so I left school, and I thought I was going to go on to do graphic design. Um, I went and completed an art foundation course, which is like a one-year intense course doing loads of different, um, like different options really within the arts. So it included kind of multimedia and um, ceramics and textiles and photography and. Um, and it was in that course that I went into the Constructed Textile Department, um, and that was kind of the first time i really experienced weaving, um, and from then on I was kind of hooked, really, and kind of changed what I was going to do. So um, I was going to... I did my foundation at Cumbria Institute of the Arts, and then I stayed on there to then do my degree, which then became um, Contemporary Applied Arts, and that focused on um, constructed... Uh, printed and stitched textiles and also ceramics so by the time I'd kind of reached my third year and um, I kind of dropped some of them and I specialised in ceramics and also in weaving um, and yeah it was kind of from there that I then kind of took my career path as it were and um, so when I left uni I then went on um, to become self-employed and I kind of picked up the weaving aspect and from that point it was kind of a practical decision really because um, I needed to be able to work on my practice in my home. I didn't have a garage or an outdoor or outdoor space or studios as such and um, so it was kind of really a practical decision that made me kind of pursue the weaving side more um, than the ceramics but actually that's served me well, and, and I've not really needed another side to it. I've been, I felt like that's really kind of, um, yeah, been enough, really, to get my head round um, for the whole of my practice.
0: That's really nice to hear because I mean I've got friends and family who studied arts of of various different sorts um, to you know higher education level and then unfortunately were not able to you know pursue a career in what in something that they really loved and ended up having to take more mainstream jobs and then doing the the crafts or the art or the painting or whatever as kind of a a hobby or a sideline but that's really nice to hear a story of somebody who's gone to university and been able to pursue something that's obviously a passion to them and then see it through to the next level and continue with it
1: yeah I think I have been really lucky to be able to do that and looking back I think I must have been brave at the time just kind of jumping in and going for it um, and I don't know I don't know if I'd be quite so brave today but um, I think maybe that's what I wanted to do and there wasn't a job that said please come and be a weaver and you know also maybe deliver some workshops and that didn't really exist for me to go find so I sort of had to make it for myself. Um, yeah, but yeah, I do realize that I am very lucky to be able to have a job that I really enjoy and I really love. Um cuz that isn't the case for everybody.
0: No, absolutely. Now, looking at your website and seeing the looms that you use for your for your workshops in in a couple of different mills in West Yorkshire, it looks very similar to the kind of looms um, that that were in a domestic setting not that long ago. Um, And it's really interesting to see that people are are kind of dipping into this as a a hobby, something that used to be like bread and butter for so many people, you know, just a couple of generations back.
1: Yeah, I think weaving has been um, kind of the fabric, I guess, of of history for so many years. Um, And so... It, it's not it's not left us, but it obviously it has diminished in recent years. Um, but yeah, it's nice that I get to have the opportunity um, to teach um, weaving, as well as a few other textile processes, but mainly weaving um, in lots of different locations. Um, yeah, and share that with people um, in different ways, so that they can engage with that for themselves. Um, and, and, and it is quite unique, really, because not so many people. Um, do you have that opportunity now? So, or and from, like for me, I haven't done it at school. So it was only when I went and did the foundation course that I experienced it, and then realised, you know, I, I really love it. Um, so it's yeah, it's nice to be able to have these opportunities for people to have a go.
0: Have you seen a resurgence then in in, in weaving in recent years, and, and more people inquiring about courses? Um,
1: I guess I have. Uh, but, um, as my practice has developed if that makes sense so I'm, I, I'm hesitant to say whether that's um, a universal trend or whether that's because um, I'm obviously working in this area so it kind of probably skews the stats that-
0: weaving that uh, that you love so much?
1: Um, I think it's for me that um, it's kind of similar to ceramics as well I think what I'm drawn to is being able to construct something out of nothing and um, so using your hands to manipulate either a lump of clay or um, in my case now more um, yarn um, and being able to form that into some sort of um, structure, artwork, product, a thing, um, which didn't exist before. If that makes sense, so you have like your cone of yarn or your ball of wool or, um, or whatever, and it doesn't really have a, a structure to it. But once you start weaving and you kind of interlacing your warp and your weft, which are the two kind of directions, and and they're coming together, you get a a structure, a thing, a piece of cloth. Uh, and artwork, um, and for that—that that is the thing I think that really draws me um, in.
0: Uh, how has the pandemic affected the way you've been working this year?
1: Yeah, well, it's certainly been a different year, um, and I guess yeah, up, up and down. If I'm honest, um, at first, I guess the lockdown created quite a lot of work—not as in paid work, but as in things to sort out and um, workshops. To cancel, rearrange, pause, etc. Um, and then it all went quiet, like it did for so many people. Um, and, and I found that quite hard to get into a rhythm. I mean, you have to be motivated to be self-employed. But to have no deadlines and to have no kind of structure in your week, you know, a totally empty week or calendar um, is a bit weird for me, really. <laughs> um, so I started by you know, I guess practical things, I've repainted part of my studio, and I took everything out, and I reorganised it, um, and I guess that was in some sort of attempt to try and structure life, as it were, as I was doing that, um, but it was good to do, because I think um, over the years, um, you, it, that's something that, you're, the space in which you work is really important, and, you know, you, you can't really take out three weeks to kind of pull it apart, so I, I took the I, the advantage of that this year and then re- re-organised all and then it was kind of a little bit a little bit slow if I'm honest um and so I made myself sort of do a little project I thought well if I plan something that I know I can complete and have some sort of boundaries to it and um, I think I can do this and kind of help me get back feeling creative again because it's actually quite difficult to be creative in the, in the lockdown I found um, so uh, for years, i collected the little bits of fleece from a spinning or a felting workshop um, that were a little bit too sad to bring out at the next workshop. So I've been, um, yeah, I got all those, I um, carded them, like combed them, I spun them up, and then I wove them to make a series of placemats. And that kind of project was kind of, yeah, it was contained enough that I could kind of work through that in my head as it were so that was good and it kind of sparked off the work after that which was you know looking back now and having a few months to reflect yeah it was a really good project to do um and I guess for me I've spent a lot of lockdown in in the garden I'm lucky to have a little garden so um I've been outside you know digging trying to tame parts of the garden that are not so tame and <laughs> um, and I've also grown some veggies for the first time it has been a real learning curve and I'm you know I'm a total amateur and then um, I've got a lot to learn but I've just really enjoyed it you know I just go out each day and be like oh they've grown a little bit more or you know the seedlings are coming up and stuff and I found that really kind of helpful a way to kind of just yeah escape a little bit from this year and um, And then it has actually um, become kind of the starting point for um, a new collection of stars that I kind of um, launched a few weeks ago, maybe a month or something now, um, which were all based around vegetables, which sounds a bit random to have a (laughs) vegetable star. But my work is really, I'm really drawn to colour and to... um, yeah like really looking at things so actually when I started kind of growing a few veggies you realised that the colors on vegetables are incredible and um, you kind of take it for granted that you know like a, a carrot is orange or whatever but when you really start looking at it you realize whoa it's really really vibrant um, and I also grew a few potatoes and, and I thought potato flowers were all white and um, but actually you know I'm one of the varieties I'm not going to be yeah, able to remember off the top of my head, but one of them and um, had um, flowers that were like violet, purple colour with a little bit of white and these gorgeous orangey yellow middles, um, and so that provided you know a real source of kind of uh, new interest for me for developing this kind of range of vegetable scarves that I've just just launched. So yeah, there's been pluses in this year, um, but yeah, definitely tricky bits along the way as well. And and it's nice that it's kind of, having been able to launch this collection, kind of brings some of those threads together that were really good at the beginning of the year. Like, I didn't intend to to launch a new collection on vegetables in March, and I didn't know that that's where that would go. So, yeah, now I've had time to kind of look back a little bit. Yeah, it's nice to see how those things come together, even if living through it at the time was a bit tricky.
0: That's really interesting to hear actually. I think a lot of people have found their creativity stunted to start with because like you said you had all this time on your hands all of a sudden which on in normal times you'd really appreciate to be able to be left undisturbed to get on with what you want to do but when you're just looking staring down your diary and there's just empty pages after page you know it's quite interesting to see how you know people have looked in different directions to get inspiration for their work and, and your vegetable patch has obviously borne fruit in more ways than one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So would you say that your craft and your creativity has helped you through the, the difficulties and the uncertainties that you've faced this year?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think um, it has It's such a part of my life, if that makes sense, being creative and uh, making and making with other people, um, that it is, you know, very embedded into my, um, yeah, my life. So, yeah, definitely, um, it has been a part of this year just as much as it has others. And although different to the year I maybe thought I was going to have back in January, it's still very much, yeah, um, intertwined into the
0: year that I've had. Uh, looking ahead to next year what what kind of plans do you have in the pipeline and and how do you, how do you see like the impact of the things that you've done this year how are you going to build on those for the future
1: yeah it's hard thinking ahead if I'm honest like i'm nervous to commit um, plans to paper or in some ways even to voice them out loud because i just don't quite know what's going to happen but i think that's the same for everyone that's what i have to remember um so I guess, I'm ho- well, I'm hoping that this little collection will kind of run, and i will I've already started having ideas for a few other little vegetables that I can add to it. So um, I think that's definitely going to be something that I see further into next year. But I'd also really love to be able to get back to um, the kind of more collaborative side of my um, practice. And normally, my um, making... That I do just on my own is probably only about 20%, so 80% of my um, practice now is is with other people facilitating projects or workshops, Um, yeah, whether that's in schools or community groups, galleries, museums, Um, so I'm I'm hoping that I can get back to more of that um, next year, Um, because I'm really missing working alongside and with other people obviously, at a safe distance at the moment. But there's something different um, about um, being in the same space as somebody as opposed to doing it over screen or um, over Zoom or something. So, yeah, I would hope that that side um, can develop further. And I guess we've all got um, new ways of working that we didn't know about, you know, in March and April this year. So, hopefully, we can you know find ways to adapt further and to be able to yeah make some of these projects hopefully um happen
0: yeah yeah absolutely it's 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 one thing to be able to be connected online with somebody else or on the phone as we are today but also this it's a completely different plane to be able to be in the same space as another human being especially when you're doing something creative with your hand you know it, I've, I've had sewing lessons done remotely and but your teacher's not standing there saying no you need to take that zip out and sew it back in a different way because it's not good enough you know <laughs> there's it's just a completely different atmosphere and experience to actually being with with real human beings and I think that's probably something that everybody's missing this year yeah
1: I think so and i I think also because i have been able to um from sort of september up until the second national lockdown that we've had in the uk and in england and i have been back out doing some work again and in the the real world as it were um and i think people do really value and appreciate that space and i guess when i was back teaching again i hadn't really realized how much previously i had used my hands and my arms waving them in the air (laughs) and pointing and you know um showing people by side how to do things or adjust things or and so actually that's been a, a different way of needing to teach which is fine it, you know it's more about expressing things through words um but actually for quite a lot of us that make we express a lot of it through showing with our hands or um manipulating fabric um or um using equipment in a certain way and so um Yeah, I think to be able to get back to a little bit more of that uh, would be lovely. But that's going to be, you know, in, in time, that will come sort of thing.
0: And if you'd like to see some of Anise's work and find out more about her workshops, you can find all that information on her website. I'll include a link to that in the show notes for this episode. I think her vegetable patch projects are inspired and I particularly love her radish scarf. Thanks very much, Anise, for finding the time to speak to me for Making Stitches. And thank you to you too for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please consider liking, subscribing or reviewing Making Stitches on your favourite podcast provider. Heather DT did that last month, describing it as wonderful and looking forward to hearing some more. Well, thank you for that, Heather. Now, speaking of more episodes, I've decided not to take a break over Christmas. I thought this year, more than ever, you might appreciate a bit of crafty festive chat over the Christmas period, especially if you're stuck at home and not able to see friends and family as you normally would. I have a bumper Christmas episode coming your way on Christmas Day, featuring Stitch stories from Making Stitches listeners and a catch up from a few friends of the podcast. So please do look out for that. Now, since Making Stitches first launched back in April this year, I've been incredibly lucky to find some fabulously loyal listeners. These are people I've never met yet have been so supportive of this podcast project since it began. They've shared episodes, commented on social media posts and sent me messages. One of those people was Anu Dent. She's literally Anu on Instagram. And from the start, she sent me positive comments and was a super cheerleader for making stitches, especially at times when I wondered whether anyone out there was actually listening. I'm so grateful for her support. Anu was originally from Finland but lived in England and she was a crocheter. I was really sad to hear that last month Anu died. She was being treated for cancer, which she'd been fighting for two years. I'd like to send my condolences to Anu's husband Matt and all her family and friends. And with Matt's permission, I'm dedicating this episode to Anu's memory. That's all for this week. I'll be back again on Christmas Day with that special episode featuring lots of inspiring makers. My name's Lindsay and this podcast was recorded and edited by me. You can also find me on my blog postcard from Gibraltar. Thanks again for listening and until next time, keep safe and enjoy your crafting.